Hi, and welcome back to the Pleasing God Podcast, a weekly show that's focused on helping Christians to think biblically, engage practically, and live faithfully for the glory of God. And today I want to talk with you on the subject of love, really with the question, what is love? But before we get into that, first, Caitlin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am your wife. Uh, We have five children together. I have kind of that quintessential Christian kid kind of testimony where I grew up in a Christian home, went to a Christian school, and really had a great childhood. I went to a small Christian college in Wisconsin, the North Woods of Wisconsin, and it was there where my faith really became real to me in my life. I was reading Romans 6 through 8 and was gripped with just the reality of who I was in the sight of God, what Christ has done for me, and therefore how I should live from there. Met you just a couple years after that, and you know we have this life now here in Rhode Island. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're just the perfect person to be on the show for this podcast, right? <laughs> I mean, to me, I, you are the most loving person that I've Stop. ever met. Um, I have not experienced as much selfless love from anybody. So you're really the expert on this topic. And I, I hopefully I can just interview you and you can, um, you can just tell us what it looks like to live a life of love. You're very kind. And defining that for us. Uh, Really though, this is kind of like the first installment of hopefully multiple shows where you and I get to talk about really the fruit of the spirit and, and, what does that look like in our lives as Christians living out the fruit of the Spirit? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Is it the fruits of the Spirit? <laughs> is it fruit? Uh, and how do we exercise that? And what does that look like? So we really want to kind of dive deep. And instead of just kind of an overview of the fruit of the Spirit, which we certainly could do, and I think that would be very uh, helpful to to the listeners, but let's pause, take it slow, and explore each aspect of the fruit of the Spirit and how that pertains to our lives. Yeah. Uh, and um, I think first we should probably read the text, right? So Paul's writing a letter to the Galatians, and he's he's coming to the end, and he's talking about what a life that is pleasing to God looks like, what a life filled with the Spirit of God is. And he's contrasting that with a life by the flesh, So a life that is filled with the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says, picking up in verse 22 of chapter 5, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So even before we would get into the actual characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit, when you hear that list, what kind of thoughts come to your mind? Well, I think of, of them as gifts. They are gifts from the Holy Spirit, from God becoming a believer. We possess them. I would, I would agree. They are certainly a, a gift that this is something that we receive as we become Believers, as we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, where it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, mm-hmm. we receive the Holy Spirit. And we don't receive like a part of the Holy Spirit and then 
as we grow, we get more and more of the Holy Spirit. That's that's a kind of a, a misunderstanding, is that when we are born again and we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into light, we've been born again to a living hope by and through the Holy Spirit who is resides within us. And it's not that he comes with like a little bit of luggage, like he's going to bring some love and joy mm-hmm. with him. And then maybe as you're more obedient and you learn more about the Bible, he'll bring gentleness and patience. <laughs> like we have the whole cluster. So when I think about the fruit of the spirit, I think about grapes. When when you look at grapes, there's like this cluster mm-hmm. that grows and each in- individual grape is one of these, like love, joy, peace, patience. But we're not like picking individual grapes. Like we want the cluster. We get the cluster. And we get it in complete fullness. We have all of it that we need becoming a believer. He he gives it to us fully and not partial patience or partial love. Well, that's convicting. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, right? Yeah. You know, as, as I'm seeking to grow as a Christian, living my life pleasing to God, oftentimes I've prayed, like, God, give me patience. Oh, like, absolutely. On a daily basis, that has been a prayer. <laughs> but he's given us the full amount of patience that we need on a daily basis. He's given us everything for life and godliness. And that includes enough patience when I have five little ones crawling all over me needing something. So so what you're saying then is that when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, that you have these grapes, these these attributes, these characteristics. And so the issue is not that we need more. Mm. The issue is in our lives that we need to exercise and use what's been given to us. Yes, a lot of I, patience is a huge one. Of course. A lot of times with the children, I'll, I'll say, let's practice our patient muscles. Because <laughs> just like working out a muscle, it takes practice and discipline and takes work. Wait, so let me hear you right. So you're saying I should never pray for love or I should never pray for patience? No. Well, <laughs> yes, in that we need we need to rely on Jesus. We need to rely on the one who is perfect in all of these attributes. He displayed them perfectly. And we have him to rely on. Um, so no, we don't need to pray for patience or love. We have that in us. We don't tap into it yeah. the way that we should all of the time. Yeah, precisely. So the issue is not not that I need more love, more patience, more gentleness, but that I need to, by the power of the Spirit within me, exercise that which has been given to me. So when I'm not loving and I'm not patient and I'm not gentle and I'm not kind and I'm not long-suffering or whatever it may be, that's because I'm actually going back in Galatians and I'm living by the flesh in some form or fashion, right? Yeah, it's selfishness, pride, not giving of yourself. A lot of times when we do pray for the the discipline of patience or, or whatever it is, God generally will put people in our path or circumstances in our path to have us exercise those muscles, if you will, or the attributes mm-hmm. of the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the dangerous prayer is like, God, teach me to exercise my patience mm-hmm. or teach me to exercise love because what you're going to get is not like a bunch of people around you that are like really easy to love. Like you're going to get hard people, <laughs> uh-huh. right? Um, but again, it's for your good. Mm-hmm. And it's the glory of God. 
So as we consider this list of virtues, right, that we have been given in full measure, let's explore the first one, love. And no doubt it's intentional why this is first, right? Right, like, yeah. Lo- love is, is the foundation of any structure. It's the bottom of the pyramid. It's the basis on which we understand God, the Christian faith. You know, we love, as as First John says, we love because he first loved us. Mm-hmm. And so foundationally, we must start with love. And, you know, we ask the question, what is love? Well, maybe a better question to ask is what isn't love? The world defines love in so many ways. Yeah. And, and, and how can we kind of clear the air a little bit when we use this word? Because oftentimes many of us are using the same terms, but we have vastly different definitions. Yeah. Well, and- first of all, it's, it's not a feeling. Feelings come and go. They're like the waves on the ocean. They come in, they come out. It's not a feeling. It's more of a fixed disposition almost love is a verb right love is an mm-hmm. action mm-hmm. but not a not a feeling it involves feelings yeah absolutely but this is this is the whole like high school dilemma you know when you think about you know boyfriends and girlfriends yeah. and like oh i love this person and then like two weeks later you don't um <laughs> yeah. you go through college whatever and a lot of people mistake infatuation with love yeah like infatuation is definitely a feeling but as you said it's a settled disposition it's it's a choice right it's a choice like we uh, and this is why there's so many problems in relationships and like they end and i don't feel loved anymore this and that because really it's i've lost the feeling yeah and and you decide long before relationally you decide long before that day, whether or not you're going to love, right? Mm-hmm. Your oaths and your vows, those kind of things. And we hold to them. But when we think about love here as a virtue, as a Christian virtue given to us by the Holy Spirit, it's not marital love or even brotherly love. It's it's even deeper than that, mm-hmm. right? So where do we even begin when we think about love defined biblically? Well, it starts with God himself. We read in John 3.16, probably one of the most popular verses of all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I think the key word there is so. Uh, He so loved the world. He so loved us that he was willing to give up his only son in order that we might have life with him everlasting. So I think we start there. We can even go even further than that to say that God is love. We read that multiple times. In 1 John, we read that God is love. Yeah, and, and also the other passage that John wrote in 1 John 3.16, by this, we know love. So we can see the demonstration of love. Like we see the demonstration of the love of God, the Father, and sending his Son. And then we see the demonstration of the love of the Son, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. In this verse, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, so we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So when we think about what is love, I think in both of those passages, we recognize that love is self-sacrifice, self-emptying, right? And that uh, love seeks the better, the good, the best of someone else. Yes. 
And so when we think about that as a fruit of the Spirit, as a Christian, first and foremost, the love that we are to show is not a sense of caring for our benefit, but uh, caring for the good, the better, the best of others. In, yes. in this, like God sent his son and that cost him and it cost us nothing. And so when we think about the love that we are to reciprocate and show to others by way of the fruit of the spirit, this virtue in us, it is a self-emptying, self-sacrificing love. Yeah, we see that written all over the New Testament where Jesus himself says, love your neighbor as yourself. As much as you love yourself and you take care of yourself, you feed yourself, you do all these things to take care of yourself, you should do that for others. And we see that you know, in 1 John multiple times, this is a commandment that we love one another in this manner, the same way as Christ loved us. So in the middle of the 18th century, there's what was known as the Great Awakening. Jonathan Edwards, great preacher during the time. I was named after him. (laughs) And he preaches sinners in the hands of an angry God. Well, Mm -hmm. during that time, there's great revival occurs. And he's talking about one of the marks of revival, one of the marks of somebody who's truly a Christian. He didn't use the word love. He actually talked about something called a disinterested benevolence, Mm. which I think is a fantastic term. And it's expressing this love. What I mean by that and what I believe he meant by that is a, a disinterested benevolence, meaning showing kindness, benevolence, care for somebody else without any interest of return. Mm. And so that's that. I mean, when we think about God, his love, his agape love, that's the the Greek term there. It is a disinterested benevolence and that he showers his love upon us. Mm. Um, And we return to him, glory to his name. But that's how we are also to show love to one another is it's not true Christian love if it's an interested benevolence. Hey, I'm going to love you, but what am I going to get in return? Exactly. So certainly love is sacrificial. It is Mm -hmm. self-sacrificing, self-giving. It's also intentional too. Like we have to do this on purpose. We have to purpose to love. And I I think about in the book of James, uh, James chapter 2, talks about if a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, hey, go in peace and be warm and be filled, like, I'm going to pray for you. Mm. But you have a coat, you have food. James is like, hey, be intentional and demonstrate your love. He's talking about faith. You're not going to have faith and and not have love, just like you're not going to have the Holy Spirit and not have love. Mm. And so there's a sense of being intentional with our love. We need to do it on purpose. We need a purpose to love others, even the unlovely. I'm reminded of a quote from Joel Beakey. He just said, God forsook the unforsakable, talking Mm -hmm. about his son, in order to love the unlovable. And it's talking about us, right? And that, that, that we, there's nothing lovely about us. We are sinners. We deserve justice, wrath. Yet God loves the unlovable. And shows that love to us so that we too will then show love intentionally to all people. We see Jesus doing this. We see Jesus doing this all throughout the Gospels. He cared for and loved on 
those who were outcasts, who were forsaken by society, who were filthy and unclean, who were disease-ridden, and he showed love without any self-interest, but with full of compassion and love for these people because they were his creation. And he, and he loved them. I he mean, loved them. he loved them mm-hmm. when others would not show them love and they were treated as the least of these of the world. Uh, that's very interesting, too, because when we think about Jesus and his love, another characteristic that just comes to my mind is humility. Mm-hmm. Like, true love is humble. Like, pride and love just seem to be on a collision course and they cannot be compatible. I've never met an overly proud yet loving person. Mm-hmm. I think of the story when Jesus healed the man who was lame and the Pharisees came to him and said, who did this? Who who healed you? And the, the man looks around and can't find Jesus. He had already gone and he could have so easily have said, hey, it was me. I healed this man. L- look at what I have done. Look at the love that I have shown him. But he disappeared into the crowd and he didn't need the recognition. He loved on people without needing that. Yeah, and that reminds me even of uh, what we read in Philippians uh, chapter 2, where it's talking about Christ's example of humility and how we're to emulate that. And it's certainly, the like we said, the foundation is love. And we read, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then he'd go on to give this great Christ hymn. And living a life of humility is a lovely and loving life. And it exemplifies the fruit of the Spirit, love. Well, I don't think we can sit here and talk about love without going to the most famous passage in all of the scriptures of love. I mean, we could say John 3.16 is... But there's also another passage, right? Yeah, 1 Corinthians 13. (laughs) You want to read that for us, Kate? Sure. So it says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Absolutely. That's wonderful. So when we think of what love is, it's demonstrated by God. It's shown to us by God so that we know love by looking at him. He's the standard of love and it's self-giving, self-sacrificing for the good of others, for the best in others. And it's humble. Mm. It's intentional. And it's the beautiful life. Do you want to live a beautiful life? Then live a life exercising the fruit, the virtue, the fruit of the spirit of love. I won't guarantee that your life will be great, but I can say if you don't, it will be bad. It will not be what it's intended to be as a believer. And so this is the beautiful life that as Christians, we have the blessed privilege of living a life of love Mm. where we show it. And as we belong to a community of other believers, we who are dwelt by the Spirit, we receive that love. I think there's always so much more love that we can always give. At the end of our lives, we're not going to look back and say, oh, I love that person too hard. There's always room to show more love. 
When I think about the love of God, I heard this, I, I can't remember where I heard this, but quote that stuck with me and has always stuck with me. The reason why God will never stop loving you is because he never started. Hmm. And so when you think about that, it's because from all eternity, God had set his love. There was not a beginning point of God's love. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about that, you're never going to be like, I love that person too much. You might have demonstrated your feelings to that person in a way you shouldn't have. But just as God's love for us is an inexhaustible well, the spirit in us does not run out of love. We, our, our love meter doesn't Praise run Praise the out. Lord. <laughs> uh, Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the reason why that love stops is because we put a blockage on it. So as a reminder, love is not simply a feeling. It's a choice. It's a determined position. It's a virtue we've received in full measure that we can exercise as believers in Jesus Christ and dwelt by his Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful life. It's intentional, and it's marked by humility. And sometimes it's not easy. Mm. But ultimately, living a life of love is a life that is pleasing to God. Thank you for demonstrating to me what a life of love is and modeling that for me. Well, anything you see is of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank you for listening to the Pleasing God podcast. If you have any questions... I would love to hear from you. You can reach out at questions at pleasinggodpodcast.org. And remember, 1 Thessalonians 4.3, this is the will of God, your sanctification. <laughs>